The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 395. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all the social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. And if you're listening to this podcast between January 19th and January 21st, 2021, if you use the coupon code LEE, I'll give you 100 bucks off of one of my best-selling bundle classes. It's the War and Reconstruction in honor of Lee Jackson Week. Not in honor of the inauguration, but in honor of Lee Jackson Week. And uh, it's a, I mean, look, the War class, is, it's my best-selling class. The Reconstruction class comes with it. You get both for essentially a hundred bucks it's a great deal and you're going to want to pick it up you can also support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com you can throw a few pennies my way help keep these lights on help keep the podcast going you can buy your brian mcclanahan show gear my logo and all kinds of cool stuff just click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com you can go to learn true t-r-u-e learn true history.com that's my affiliate link for tom woods little classroom another great website Lots of great ways to educate yourself, and starting today, this is day one of some very interesting things going on. You're going to need that education on the Constitution, trust me, because essentially what we're already seeing is the beginning of the ninth year of the Obama administration. So uh, it's time to think about President Biden. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Of course, always share this podcast around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Do all you can to spread the message of thinking locally and acting locally. This is the hedge. This is what we have to do in these very uncertain times. So let's talk about Joe Biden. And uh, he has now been sworn in on producing this podcast after he has become the newest president of the United States. You can make an argument he's the, well, he's the 45th man to be president and uh, the 46th president, according to the way we list the presidents. But uh, So this is now official. So what I'm going to do is go through his inaugural address, and I think there are certainly clues to how Joe Biden is going to govern once in the executive mansion. And, of course, we have executive government. This is one of the biggest problems we have with America. It's executive government. It's embarrassing uh, we don't have we don't have uh, a true government of legislative powers that are uh, in, in uh, implemented by the executive branch. We have executive government, or we have government by judiciary because the Congress passes laws, and even if the president just you know signs them through, lets them go through uh, without vetoing these laws, the Supreme Court or the federal courts will weigh in and say this law is unconstitutional or not. I mean, we have we have government. That doesn't really come down to real representation anymore. Biden says we do, but we don't. So we're going to go through his inaugural address, and I'm going to stop and pause and make some comments where it needs to be made. 
in this particular situation. So let's start. Chief Justice Roberts, Vice President Harris, Speaker Pelosi, Leader Schumer, McConnell, Vice President Pence, my distinguished guests and my fellow Americans, this is America's day. Not really. This is Democracy's day. Okay, so he already kicks this off with this is Democracy's day. This creates this entire narrative that somehow we live in this democracy. Now, is democracy, we, we worship democracy in America. In fact, he's going to use language that shows that. What he talks about here is the sacred steps of the Congress, like we're walking into a cathedral. I know that Michael Malice calls it the cathedral, the establishment media and the government. It's the cathedral. We worship the state. We worship the presidency. We worship these things and the Congress. All these things are worshipped, and so that creates a situation where we have a secular religion, and we have just immaculated a new president. A day of history and hope of renewal and resolve through a crucible for the ages. I don't know about that. I mean, the language here, the yellow journalism again in this particular speech. America has been tested anew and America has risen to the challenge. Today we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate, but of a cause. The cause of democracy, is it? I mean, if you had lost, would you still be saying that? (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. We're talking about barely a majority here. Even if you say Biden won by a million, or whatever the final total was, several million votes, whatever it was, we're still talking about maybe, what, 51%? 51 against 49? Is that really a mandate? 51%? So 51 people can blunder the other 49? The other 49. We can have 51% of the people destroy the other 49%? I mean, this is what we're calling good government. It's ridiculous. The people, the will of the people has been heard, and the will of the people has been heeded. Are we sure about that? Because there's 70 million people that didn't have their voice heard. 70 million that voted that didn't want you to be president. Now you can say, well, there's 80 million or so that voted that didn't want me to be president. Okay, so again, are we going to let, I mean, basically then you're saying 10 million people run the country. 10 million, that's it. 10 million people out of 320 million run the United States. Is this what we really want in America? This is not why we, this is, I mean, look. The idea that you had electors, and I mean, the way it was set up, uh, electors were supposed to be more intelligent people and they can make better choices. The states would choose the electors, but they would canvass. They knew who to vote for. But the idea that somehow a mass democratic movement is the best method of picking an, an elected king is ridiculous. We have learned that, again, that democracy is precious. Democracy is fragile. At this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. Now, when I read this speech, too, and when I read through it, I mean, look, an eighth grader could have written this. These are all just slogans and platitudes. It's stupid. From now on this hollowed ground, the Capitol is the hollowed ground, where just a few days ago violence sought to shake this Capitol's very foundation. We came together as one nation under God, indivisible to carry out the peaceful transfer of power as we have for more than two centuries. You know, I know there was violence on the 6th. There was some. There's a lot of people there that weren't violent. I mean, this is ridiculous. We've seen violence. Why didn't you say, well, on this hollow ground where we had violence this past summer and Washington was burning? No, we didn't talk about that. It's just where we had the unwashed try to go in and say, we don't believe you won the election. That's now the hollow ground that's been attacked. I mean, it, they attacked their 
they attacked their sanctuary. They attacked the monastery of the American political class. And you can't do that. You can't do it. As we look ahead in our uniquely American way, restless, bold, optimistic, and set our sights on this nation, we can be and we must be. I mean, what does that even mean? It doesn't even make sense. Let me read that sentence again. And this is, if there's a picture I posted on social media of Joe Biden. He looks stupefied. I mean, this is, this is the most embarrassing president in the history of the United States. I, I can't think of one that's more embarrassing than this. Let me read this sentence. As we look ahead in our uniquely American way, restless, bold, optimistic, and set our sights on the nation we can be and we must be. It doesn't really make that much sense. Set our sights on the nation we can be and we must be. I thank my predecessors of both parties for their presence here today. I thank them from the bottom of my heart. And I know, I know the resilience of our Constitution and the strength, the strength of our nation. As does President Carter, who I spoke with last night, who cannot be with us today, but whom we salute for his lifetime of service. I've just taken the sacred oath. The sacred oath is like, again, he's been, he's been brought into the... <laughs> he's been brought into the fold as a priest. He's a high priest of the American political tradition. Each of those patriots has taken, again, it's a sen- <clears throat> that's a sentence. Each of those patriots has taken the oath first sworn by George Washington. But the American story depends not on us, not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us, on we the people who seek a more perfect union. What is, I mean, again, this is just slogans and chants and platter. It means nothing. None of this means anything. It's stupid. This is a great nation. <laughs> we are a good people. And over the centuries, through storm and strife, through peace and war, we've come so far, but we still have far to go. We'll press forward with speed and urgency, for we have much to do in this winter of peril and significant possibilities. Much to repair, much to restore, much to heal, much to build, and much to gain. And of course, the political class is saluting this because now they're back. I mean, this is it. The political class is back. Everything's well with the world. It's okay again. And we can keep moving with Obama's two terms. I mean, this... Trump's four years was an aberration, and now, even though Trump didn't do much, now it's a four-year aberration. we got to get back to the business of moving forward with the establishment agenda. Few people in our nation's history have been more challenged or found a time more challenging or difficult than the time we're in now. Once-in-a-century virus that silently stalks the country. Again, a, a sentence fragment. It's taken as many lives in one year as America lost in all of World War II. Millions of jobs have been lost. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. Well, who did that? Was that was that the virus? No, it was the government that did all that. And yet here we come in. We're the government's going to save the day from the government. A cry for racial justice. Some four hundred years in the making moves us. Four hundred years in the making. This is again. He's he's. It's a it's a slight reference to the sixteen nineteen project, which. Joe Biden has rescinded the 1776 project, which I was going to talk about in a podcast. I probably will because it's stupid, but it's gone now. Uh, but when you look at that, I mean, it's not even any different than the 1619 project, really. And, and it's just a few things that they say a little differently. I mean, it's it's all based on the same thing. Stupidity. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. Well, I mean, again... The, the platitudes and slogans. One thing that Trump was able to do at, in 2020, he got, he received more votes from black Americans than any Republican in, since, I guess, Eisenhower, I think it was. This is pandering at its worst. 
and is pandering in a way that's ahistorical and just frankly stupid. The cry for survival comes from the planet itself, a cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. <laughs> the cry for survival comes from the planet. The planet's crank. Oh my God, save me. Save us from what? The sun? The sun? Is that what we save you from? And now a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. So all the military presence. This is all for show. I mean, this is all to buttress this line in the speech that there's domestic terrorism, these extremists out there, yet the extremists are sitting on the stage with them and Bernie Sanders. The extremists are the progressives in the United States Congress. Those are the extremists. Those are people that are dangerous. And yet, they're normalized. This is where this is all just a bunch of garbage. There's no, there's no fight against political extremism. You've got an extremist sitting on the stage with you and the vice president of the United States now, Kamala Harris, the most leftist extreme member of the, of the Senate, even more extreme than Bernie Sanders. And yet, somehow extremism has to go away, but yet you're sitting on the stage with one. Ridiculous. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. It requires the most exclusive of all things in democracy, unity. Unity. Well, you're not, I mean... This, that's not a very unifying message. You've got 70 million people that voted for Trump, and now they're all extremists, white supremacists, and terrorists. So really, are you unifying anybody here? No, you're just going forward with the 51% to try to plunder the 49% and destroy them, because that's the point. In another January on New Year's Day in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the president said, and I quote, if my name ever goes down into history, it'll be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. My whole soul was in it. I mean, think about how he's comparing his presidency with the Emancipation Proclamation, which we all know didn't do anything. But he's saying that this is just as important as that. Me being president. The hubris. The hubris. On this January day, my whole soul is in this bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. No. No, you don't. If you did, you wouldn't do the stuff you're going to do. If you wanted to unify America and I talked about this in the last episode, then you wouldn't do some of the things you're going to do because you're essentially going to set half America against the other half. This is what Obama did for eight years. This was the, re- the reaction was Trump. But as I say on this podcast, the reaction should not be Trump. The reaction should be, okay, let's ignore the center. Let's ignore Joe Biden entirely. I'm not going to do a whole lot with Joe Biden after this, but I mean, these are you know a couple of big days here. I'm going to get back into doing the stuff that matters, which is grassroots really understanding what we need to do to try to confront some of these things. Uniting to face the foes we face, anger, resentment, hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, and hopelessness. So are you really going to fight lawlessness? Are you going to have? Are you going to come out and denounce riots? Are you going to say that all those things that happened over the summer were, were unjust? Injustice, they were unjust, they were, they were lawlessness, they were violent. You're not going to do that. You're only calling out the, the thing that happened on the Capitol on the 6th. None of those other things have been... I know he said, well, we can't do this. He said it, and they were getting just destroyed at the polls over that, over the summer. Finally, he came out and said, oh, we can't do this. But of course, it didn't really matter because the fix was in already. Joe Biden didn't have to campaign. It didn't matter. We can, with unity, we can do great things, important things. I mean, what does that even mean? We can right wrongs. We can put people to work in good jobs. Oh, boy. I mean, all these things don't mean anything that he's saying. This is all just stupidity. 
We can read. We can teach our children in safe schools. We can overcome the deadly virus. We can reward, reward work and rebuild the middle class and make health care secure for all. We can deliver racial justice and we can make America once again the leading force for good in the world. So we can be imperialist. The, the, the stage is set now, ladies and gentlemen. The stage is set for what Biden is going to be doing here. Welcome to aggressive centralization and imperialism. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. Really? Because you're not really a unifier. I know that forces that divide us are deep and they are real, but I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. The battle is perennial and victory is never assured, which is why we need more government programs. He didn't say that last part, but that's what he means. Which is why we need more centralization. Through Civil War, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggles, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. Have they? Have they? Have they always better? Have they always prevailed? I don't know. We've got the Patriot Act after 9-11. World War gave us the Cold War, which gave us extreme suppression of civil liberties. The Great Depression gave us the New Deal and the Great Society and the Second Bill of Rights and all of that. Is that the better angels of America? The Civil War gave us this monstrosity on the Potomac. Is that always better? Is everything better after that? We've demonized now one section of the United States relentlessly. Seventy Over 70 million people now are being called all kinds of names. Is that the better angels of us? In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. Again, in your local community, most people already do this. Not always, but people already do this. This is this whole idea of this one community coming from Washington. This is just stupid. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace. Only bitterness and fury. No progress. Only exhausting outrage. No nation. Only a state of chaos. I want to know what, what ninth grader you know wrote this. What 14-year-old wrote this thing. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. I mean, he's saying just the same thing over and over again. And we must meet this moment as the United States of America. If we do that, I guarantee you, we will not fail. We have never, ever, 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 ever failed in America when we've acted together. I put some evers in there, but then he put three. We have never, ever, ever, ever. He must have he must have had a brief, you know, moment there where he couldn't come up with a better word. And so today, at this time, in this place, let's all start afresh. All of us, let's begin to listen to one another again. Hear one another and see one another. Show respect to one another. Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject the culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured. Oh, so like you're going to reject the entire establishment media then. <laughs> you're going to do that? I mean, this is, again, the hypocrisy in all of this. It's just so, it's dripping with it. It's just ridiculous. My fellow Americans, we have to be different than this. America has to be better than this. And I believe America is much better than this. Again, a, a phrase that means nothing. Just look around. Just look around. Look around us. Look around the military standing out there. The fabricated crisis in Washington. The razor-sharp barbed wire fences. The National Guard, where some people have been booted because they're not pro-Biden. Uh, I mean, all of this 
How ridiculous is this? Here we stand in the shadow of the Capitol Dome, as was mentioned earlier, completed amid the Civil War, when the Union itself was literally hanging in the balance, yet we endured, we prevailed. What prevailed and what endured? A centralized monstrosity? A system where you can't get out if you want? Here we stand looking out in the Great Mall where Dr. King spoke of his dream. Here we stand where 108 years ago at another inaugural, thousands of protesters tried to block brave women marching for the right to vote. Today we mark the swearing-in of the first woman in American history elected to national office, Vice President Kamala Harris. Don't tell me things can't change. Here we stand across the Potomac from Arlington Cemetery where heroes who gave the last full measure of devotion rest in eternal peace. Um, I wonder if he's talking about the Confederates that are buried there. I don't know. Or Robert E. Lee's house. I don't know. And here we stand just days after a riotous mob thought they could use violence to silence the will of the people to stop the work of our democracy to drive us from this sacred ground. There he uses that term again. Sacred ground. Sacred. It's a government building. Last time I checked, any... Uh, healthy civilization doesn't call their government building sacred. It did not happen. It will never happen. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Not ever. He uses that word ever a lot. To all those who supported our campaign, I'm humbled by the faith you place in us. For, to all those you know, 60 million people who supported our campaign, and to the 20 plus million people who voted twice, to all those who did not support us, let me say this. Hear me out as we move forward. Take a measure of me and my heart. If you still disagree, so be it. That's democracy. That's America. Come on, man. The right to dissent peaceably, the guardrails of our republic, is perhaps this nation's greatest strength. Yet, come on, man. Hear me clearly. Disagreement must not lead to disunion. And I pledge this to you. I will be president for all Americans. All Americans. And I promise you, I will fight as hard for those who do not support me as for those who did, okay, I've, I've suggested this. I mean, this is if this is true, if this is true, then you wouldn't do what you're doing. You would leave in place some of the things Trump left behind. But he's not going to do that. Many centuries ago, St. Augustine, a saint in my church, wrote to the people was wrote to the people was a multitude defined by the common objects of their love. Defined by the common objects of the love. He repeats himself, then he says things that don't even make any sense. What are the common objects we as Americans love that define us as Americans? I think we know. Opportunity, security, liberty, dignity, respect, honor, and yes, the truth. Recent weeks and months have taught us a painful lesson. Think of the hypocrisy. He's gonna, it's going to be dripping from this as he says this. There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. Yes, we know. We know that. We know that this happens. We know the establishment does this all the time. They manipulate, they lie for power and profit. And each of us has a duty and responsibility as citizens, as Americans, especially as leaders, leaders who have pledged on our Constitution and protect our nation to defend the truth and defeat the lies. This is what Trump has been said for four years. There's fake news. That now that's, that's lies and what they're saying is truth. You see, this is the danger of the establishment. This is Orwellian. They're flipping all this around now. They're flipping the script. Look, I look, man, look, man. I understand that many of my fellow Americans view the future with fear and trepidation. I understand they worry about their jobs. I understand, like my dad, they lay in bed at night staring at the ceiling, wondering, can I keep up my health care? Can I pay my mortgage? Thinking about their families and what about what comes next. I promise you, I get it. But the answer is not to turn inward, to retreat into competing factions, distrusting those who don't look like you or worship the way you do, or don't get their news from the same sources you do. 
We must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, rural versus urban, rural versus urban. Again, conservative. He said this twice. Conservatives. Are, I'm reading this word for word. Conservative versus liberal. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. If we show a little tolerance and humility, and if we're willing to stand in the other person's shoes, as my mom would say, just for a moment, stand in their shoes. Because here's the thing about life. There's no accounting for the fate, for what fate will deal you. Some days when you need a hand, there are other days when you're called to lend a hand. There's days when the little kids look at, rub the hair on your legs in the pool. There's days like that, too. That's how it has to be. That's how it has to be. That's what we do for one another. And if we are this way, our country will be stronger, more prosperous, more ready for the future. And we can still disagree. My fellow Americans in the work ahead of us, we're going to need each other. We're going to need all our strength to persevere through this dark winter. We're entering what may be the toughest and deadliest period of the virus. We must set aside politics and finally face this pandemic as one nation. One nation. And I promise you this, as the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We'll get through this together, 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 together. Look, look, man, look, folks, all my colleagues I serve with in the House of the Senate up, up there, we all understand the world is watching, watching all of us today. So here's my message to those beyond our borders. America has been tested and we've come out stronger for it. We repair our alliances and engage with the world once again. In other words, we're back in the game world. We're back being the big bully empire. Here it is. This is what it is. Not to meet yesterday's challenges, but, to, but today's and tomorrow's challenges. And we'll lead, not merely by example of our power, but by the power of our example. And we'll bomb you. And we'll invade you. Don't worry, it's coming. It's coming, world. Forget about making America great or putting America first. No, no, put the world first. This is what it means. Oh, I, I paraphrase all this. We'll be strong and trusted partner for peace, progress, and security. Look! You all know we've been through this so much as a nation. In my fact, first act as president, I'd like you to ask me to join me in a moment of silent prayer to remember all those we lost this past year to the pandemic. Those 400,000 fellow Americans, moms, dads, husbands, wives, sons, daughters, friends, neighbors, and co-workers, we will honor them by becoming the people in the nation we know we can and should be. So I ask you, let's say a silent prayer for those we've lost their lives, those left behind, and for our country. Amen. The one thing I pointed out before, Trump, Trump and Biden are similar. They're, they're almost identical in what they're doing with, the pan, with this. I mean, that's the fact. Biden couldn't come up with anything that Trump hadn't been doing. And I know all the media has been on board. Well, the, 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 you know, this uh, Operation Warp Speed was a failure and all these things. I mean, look, there, there's nothing here that Biden would have done any better. To think that he would is foolish. Folks, this is a time of testing. We... Face an attack on our democracy and on truth, a raging virus, growing inequity, the sting of systemic racism, a climate and crisis, America's role in the world. Any one of these will be enough to challenge us in profound ways, but the fact is we face them all at once, presenting this nation one of the greatest responsibilities we've had, and now we're going to be tested. Are we going to step up? All of us. It's time for boldness, for there is much to do, and this is certain, I promise you, we will be judged, you and I, by how we resolve these castating crises of our area, of our era, excuse me. We, will we rise to the occasion is a question. Will we master this rare and difficult hour? Will we meet our obligations and pass along a new and better world to our children? I believe we must. I'm sure you do as well. I believe we will, and when we do, we'll write the next great chapter in the history of the United States of America. The American story. A story that might sound something like a song that means a lot to me. It's called American Anthem. There's one verse that stands out at least for me, and it goes like this. The work and prayers of a century have brought us to this day. What shall our, be our legacy? What will our children say? Let me know in my heart when my days are through. America, America, I gave my best to you. <laughs> Let's add, 
Let's add to let's add our own work and prayers to the unfolding story of our great nation. If we do this, then our, when our days are through, our children and our children's children will say of us, they gave their best. They did their duty. They hand, hailed a broken land. They gave us trillions of dollars of debt. They invaded many countries, and they suppressed civil liberties. That's what they'll say. Oh, no, they, they didn't say that. I mean, well, they probably will say that, but that, that's not what Biden says they'll say. My fellow Americans, I close this day where I began with a sacred oath before God and all of you. I give my word. I will always level with you. I will defend the Constitution. No, he won't. I will defend our democracy. Certainly, he'll defend a democracy, but not what we're all thinking. I'll defend America. And I, no, he won't. And I'll give you all, all of you, keep everything I do in your service, thinking not of power, but of possibilities, not of personal interest, but the public good. No, he won't. And together we shall write an American story of hope, not fear, of unity, not division, of light, not darkness. This is Washington Post, and democracy dies in darkness. A story of decency and dignity, love and healing, greatness and goodness. May this be the story that guides us, the story that inspires us, and the story that tells ages yet to come that we answer the call of history. We, meet the, we met the moment. Democracy and hope, truth and justice did not die on our watch, but thrived. That America secured liberty at home and stood once again as a beacon to the world. This is the shining city, but this is the Puritans have never gone away. That is what we are, forebearers, one another, and generations to follow. So with purpose and resolve, we turn to those tasks of our time, sustained by faith, driven by conviction, devoted to one another, and the country we love with all our hearts. May God bless America, and may God protect our troops. Thank you, America. I am now going to issue over 100 executive orders, and we're going to start ruling as a king. Let me get out of here so I can do that. That's it. The speech that was, in my opinion, one of the worst ever written. One of the worst inaugural addresses ever written. But he's clear about some things. We're going to see an American empire. We're going to get back into that. We've got to uh, do some things to increase the size and power of the central authority. We've got to use government to solve government's problems. I mean, these are the things that we're going to. So, again, as I said, in the in the future when I do these podcasts, we're going to get back to what we're not. And I do this a lot anyways. But we're going to get back to talking about principles talking about what we can do to start moving forward. It doesn't matter who's president. We should be ignoring all of these people because they should be irrelevant. Joe Biden should be almost irrelevant except in foreign policy. He does talk about foreign policy here. He has a very dangerous foreign policy set up for the United States. That should be the primary thing, and Joe Biden should have lost for that reason alone, but he didn't because too many people are fixated on the American king and what they think the American king should do domestically, not what the American king should do in foreign policy. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. We are now in the Biden era. Over, under on how long Biden lasts in office. I put him a little bit over William Henry Harrison. Who knows? He is the oldest man to ever be inaugurated. Well, I mean, I wish him good health. I do. Uh, but, I mean, Biden's a placeholder. And this is what I've said before. He's a placeholder. And we'll see how long that lasts. All right. I'll see you next time on the Ryan McClanahan Show. See you then.